0: Love, talk, radio. Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Poritz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission, to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew. If you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. If you call in, you'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number 1, I'll know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. Tonight, my guest is David Spike Ostersey, the co-founder, co-creator, and co-facilitator of the Dating Demystified Workshop series. David is a published relationship author, a professional photographer, and, a, and an accomplished blogger. He's a true Bronx boy, a funny and gregarious fellow, and I'm proud to call him my friend. You can learn more about Spike at That's Com. And Spike, are you with me?
1: I am with you. All right. Welcome to Coach's Corner. Thank you, Mr. Bruts.
0: Okay, so uh, you got a lot going on here. You're 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 certainly known for not just one one thing, but uh, a a whole bunch of things. So first of all, I want to get an idea of like where did you come from? What what brought you to the world of? In in particular, let's talk about uh, what brought you to the relationship world, the dating world. Um, What are you know? What makes you the expert in this area?
1: Well, Andrew, as you know, we we came from similar stock. Um, I was actually uh, coaching the the self-expression and leadership program at Landmark Education. And about two or three weeks before it completed, the leader of the program pulled me aside and said, we seem to battle every week. This can't continue. You need to call this guy Rudbarg. So I called this guy, Rudbarg, and after about a half hour on the phone with him, getting my you-know-what handed to me, he invited me to a men's circle. And that's when I was introduced to men's work. Um, didn't go back for a while. About six months later, I met you at, I think it was a Quentin's Friends event, and we bonded immediately with our Yiddish Yiddish accents. <laughs> I,
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Hey, I, don't like Mr. It. I can't talk to you ever. So... Um, you invited me to a meeting as well, and I went to your meeting, and it stuck. And I've been doing that work for about four and a half years now. Um, about a year into uh, the men's work, uh, Men's Division International, uh, I met a gentleman in a circle named Tony Veer, and we happened to be in a smaller circle, and we were just discussing what we were passionate about in life, and we were both passionate about you know bringing men and women together you know um, in in dating and relationships and learning you know what what was behind the scenes what's going on why are they afraid of each other what's what's happening what's with the fear and we we spent about. Four hours uh, on the way home from a meeting uh, on 111 Street and Riverside Drive till about 2 o'clock in the morning under a street lamp with a pad and a pen putting the basics of dating demystified together. That was a little bit over three years ago. Uh, we've done about seven or eight workshops. It started out as a one-day workshop, expanded to a two-day workshop last year and uh, it never ceases to amaze me the miracles that happen in our workshops because I, I don't teach anyone anything. It's very experiential, and the participants get for themselves uh, all the answers to what's going on in their lives, whether it's with men or women or, or raining cats and dogs. It really doesn't matter. They get their answers. Wow, that's great. <laughs>
0: hey, David, I'm going to ask you to do, do me a little bit of a favor and pull yourself a little bit away from the uh, the mouthpiece of your phone, You're just a little bit, because you are a strong man.
1: Got it. Okay, Better? great.
0: Oh, great, great. Um, I'm so, across
1: the room now, just so you know.
0: Wow. I threw, I threw the
1: phone in the corner.
0: That, this is a man who can throw his voice. I mean, this, this <laughs> man can throw his voice like onto a bus, and it can get downtown, and you can hear him. That's how, that's how strong his voice is. So uh, I actually was at your, I, I don't know if it was your first or second beta version, like not even the actual workshop, but a sort of working out the workshop.
1: That's right. I forgot about that.
0: And uh, that was that was a very uh, very intriguing day because I, I I was part of the process and I got to learn a whole bunch of fun things. A couple of people uh, I knew there. I have uh, there's still a couple of people that I know from that workshop that I'm still in touch with. too.
1: if I remember correctly, there was actually a woman at that workshop that you had previously dated. That was interesting.
0: Uh, yes, it was, uh, and I'm not going to comment any further on that. But that was.
1: It. <laughs> I won't say a word.
0: Yes, Coach Andrew has his secrets.
1: And I know some of
0: them. Uh, yes, you do. So um, tell me some of the things that have, you know, obviously as a, without violating any confidential stories or people, but what, what kind of things can you tell me that have happened in this workshop that have made it an extraordinary experience for those who have taken it? All
1: right. Um, we generally – you know, we, we we go along in the workshop, and you know, I, I'm so busy working it and running it that I'm not always present to everything going on around me. Um, we get our gifts from our participants in the hour at the end of the workshop when we ask them what they got from it, what made it different from everything else. What did the men learn? What did the women learn? And I and I remember a statement, uh, one particular uh, young lady who's actually the head of a huge nonprofit here in New York. Um, she said she has never. In her life, seen men and women take care of each other in the manner that they take care of each other in our workshop we We have one particular exercise run by Alex Robertson uh called "If you really knew me and in our nomenclature, men and women drop their masks completely in this exercise they They really, really let their pain out they talk about things they would never talk about in public, or even to many of their friends. And sometimes there are tremendous breakdowns, you know, in the workshop where, you know, people are on their knees hysterically crying, and they're taking care of each other. You know, we do it in circles of 6 to 12 people. Sometimes we do it in the entire workshop, and there's just a love that happens over two days. Anyone that's taken any work, when you're in a room with people for 12, 13, 14 hours a day, there's a lot of bonding. Mm. That goes on, and that happens. There was also another thing, and this was um, a couple of years ago. There was a young lady that that, uh, that made a statement that I that's actually on our site. I, th- I thought it was adorable. She said she always used to kill herself. This is a really beautiful young lady in her early 30s. She used to kill herself when dates were going bad, and she realized for the first time that dating is like trying on a pair of jeans. If you don't like the pair of jeans, you just try on another pair. And that was so brilliant when she said that. I remember Tony and me standing there going, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think I think I learn more at the workshops than any of the participants do.
0: Oh, wait, wait a minute, then shouldn't you be paying them?
1: I probably should.
0: Okay, I just want to make sure.
1: That's in the arrangements. They don't know about it yet.
0: Oh, okay, very good. So people get a secret refund because you're learning stuff.
1: Right, checks in the mail.
0: Checks in the mail, absolutely. And we know the other two, we I'm not going to say them.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. So so uh, you, said you said you've done uh, six or seven of these since you started? Yeah, we,
1: we try to do two a year. Mm-hmm. The goal is to, to go to three and then to go to four. Um, there's a tremendous amount involved in putting these together, not to mention finding space in New York City that's large enough in an area where there's enough restaurants and there's enough amenities you know, we, we've grown it to the point now where we really need to have three rooms, especially for what we, we have a big to-do on Saturday night where the men and the women are separated and we're setting the main room up. So um, we actually located Hartley House in Manhattan. Uh, it's become our home, and it's just the most amazing location. But it's rather expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there's a matter of all the marketing and everything. So it, it, there's a tremendous amount of work and a lot of people involved Set these up, and until we get larger, when we have more full-time staff, two times a year is is pretty much all we can handle.
0: Well, wasn't Hartley House uh, from the Bob Newhart show? Um, I it, do not it know. Wasn't that little uh, little little bread and bed and breakfast? Wasn't that the Hartleys?
1: I I having I a
0: complete uh,
1: think it might nervous have been. break. You're dating yourself here, though.
0: Well, that's here I am on dating demystified. Why am I dating myself?
1: I don't know. That's my question for you. I we'll have to talk offline about that.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, what what are some of the the uh, how has the the workshop evolved since you first started? What's different?
1: What What's different is the participants make it different. Um, again, at, at the end of each workshop, we take an hour, and you know some of the questions are what worked for you, what didn't work for you. If this were your workshop, what would you do differently? Yeah. And. People, everybody's got an idea, and we get a lot of really brilliant ideas. And everything's recorded and videotaped, and we write it all down. Uh, this way, we have triple proof, and we we look at it, um, you know, over and above doing thousands of interviews besides the workshop with men and women. And we take everything down and we just stick it in a bucket and we shake it up. And what comes out is generally the cream of the crop. So there are always two or three or four new exercises that have never been seen before each workshop going forward. So if you took this workshop in 2009 and you take it in 2012, you would not recognize it at all. It's completely different. And if you took it three years later maybe there would be two or three exercises that were the same out of 16 or 18 exercises. So that's one of the things that changes. We're constantly upgrading it and making it tighter and tighter and tighter and better.
0: Awesome. I'm just going to remind people who are listening live, which means if you're listening to the show in the future, you could ignore this comment. But if you're listening right now here in 2012, in the month of May, the phone number is 646-929-2893, and David Spike Ostracy would love to hear from you. So if you want to have uh, your relationship dating questions answered, now is a great time. So speaking of relationship dating questions, tell me what are some of the typical things that people bring to the table in dating demystified?
1: Oh, my God. That's that's across the board. Um you know, women have a lot of, I, I think, communication is is the biggest problem. We 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 get some, you know, really, really angry women and some really, really scared men because the women are angry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, she scares me. I'm not going over there. Uh-huh. I'm not doing it. You know, and, and we get to the bottom of that. We get to the base of why men and women cannot communicate and why they are scared of each other. You know, and why why a guy will, you know, sit in a bar looking at a girl and look away every time she looks back at him. And, you know, we get them participating with each other. We have mini dates all through the weekend where we literally just throw everyone together so that they have the experience of being with someone of the opposite sex and not necessarily being coddled by them. Sometimes they're knocked down, you know, and they have to learn how to deal with that. The thing that we do that we love the most is we turn it around on the women. We make the women several times during the weekend do what men are used to doing, and they get it. They're like, oh, 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 oh! that happens to you? I could never do what you're doing. I understand more about why guys are not coming over to me in bars, you know. And it's really, really cute watching the light bulb go on in women's heads and men when they get what the other sex is going through.
0: So I'd like to hear, you know, I like to hear the specifics. So I, uh, if you can't remember, you're going to have to make one up. Tell me a couple of things that that are specifics of this.
1: You know, Coach Andrew, I'd have to kill you if I told you that.
0: Well, then you're going to have to make it up.
1: Okay. I, I don't
0: mean specifics like somebody, you know, Steve Jones, uh, you know, there's no. I mean, some, some types of very specific types of reasons. For example, what are some of the problems that people have with communications? What are some of the reasons that men aren't coming over to the women? What are some of those things that you could share with us? So give us, give me tidbits, get, Man, uh, get well, me excited is, here. Of,
1: I got it. This is one of the things that that I teach the men. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you see a, a girl that you're attracted to. You need to go over and speak to them immediately because the monkeys in our heads start telling us all the reasons why we shouldn't do something the minute we want to do it. Mm -hmm. She's too pretty. She's probably got a boyfriend. She wouldn't like me anyway. And then the train door opens and she's gone. It's happened Mm -hmm. to me. It's happened to everybody. Um, so that's one of the specifics, one of the things that we teach, and we thrust them out there, and we literally throw the men at the women and the women at the men. Um, women, women needing to understand that men do have tremendous approach anxiety, and turning it around on the women, where the women many times during the weekend have to approach the men first. And you wouldn't believe the craziness that happens when we do an exercise where the men are approaching the women and approaching the women and approaching the women, and then all of a sudden. The women have to do it because the women are used to being in control. Now Mm -hmm. they've completely lost control, and they freak the hell out. It's the funny – it's one of my favorite exercises. I love doing it. I never let anyone else do it, and it's hysterical watching the women go – like, always trying to get at the end of the line. They all want to be on the end of the line. None of them want to go first.
0: Right. (laughs) So I would imagine that they're they're really going to get a sense of uh, – this is what it's like for you guys.
1: It really is. But it's but it's both sides. Yeah, it's both sides. We we have one exercise called the "Cinderella and Prince Charming Grow Up." Um, oh, that's the story of my life. By of my favorite And it is men and women are separated, and they have 15 minutes to write down their perfect, perfect, perfect relationship. Every nuance, every shape, every color, every smell, every taste, mm. everything they would ever want. And they think they're writing it down to put it in their book. Right, They have to go across the stage and read it in front of 60 people. Oh, no. Yes. And then they have to get critiqued on it. Okay? And it, and it's the entire male community critiquing each individual woman. And it brings the women and the men down to earth. When a woman sees that she has certain criteria she wants met in her perfect relationship, mm-hmm. and 30 to 40 men are telling her, eh, you ain't getting that, baby, because ain't none of us are going to do those things so they're learning from their community that what they think is perfect just might not be so perfect it might not exist at all in reality mm-hmm. and they might have to morph it and change it and transform it a little bit
0: you know it's funny you talk about the you know the prince charming and uh, uh, kind of effect one of the things i've noticed you know i'm on I, i'm on dating sites by yeah. way. <laughs> and just to be really consistent anywhere i am on a dating site i'm coach andrew so if anybody's listening you want to say hey where's Andrew on a dating site. You can find me. Um, I'm I'm very consistent in this way. I I mean I'm wherever I go. I'm Coach Andrew. I get up a karaoke. Coach Andrew is going to come up and sing a song. So um, one of the things I've noticed a lot on some of these sites is I I I would describe it as that Prince Charming thing that what I find women like I'll see a woman who is like five foot one and she says you must be at least six feet tall. I want somebody tall, dark, and handsome. That's like the code word. Which to me sounds like that isn't that what they said in like the fairy tale? He was tall, dark, and handsome. So does that mean that every guy who's like has blonde or red hair should just give it up? You know what is it? What, is it, what does that mean? So no. that's like that that fairy tale thing. And so I, I don't. Is that what you're seeing also in in some of these workshops?
1: Yeah, yeah, to to a degree, but um, we we really lead with our heart mm-hmm. in these workshops and. The thing that we found is when you put people together in a room, and, and I'm not talking about you know age specific either. There are people there older, old enough and young enough to be grandchildren or grandfathers. We, our workshop is 25 to 55, but we every once in a while get a very young looking 60, 61, 62 year old sneaking in that we know, and we know they're good looking enough, and and it's amazing because we split them up into teams mm-hmm. of six. You know, watching a a 25, 26-year-old woman being coached by a 60-year-old man, and they're absolutely loving each other. Mm. They're not going to be in a relationship, but they become dear friends. And, you know, what you find is that the hearts open up so completely that men and women get that they deserve to be loved. They, They are aware that they can be loved, that they can attract love into their lives. And a lot of people come into our workshops, just feeling completely unlovable, you know. Maybe maybe some men or women that have never been ever with someone of the opposite sex. You would be shocked at how many thirty and forty year old virgins there are out there of both sexes. Wow, honestly.
0: Well, there's a, there's the now we have a sequel for that movie.
1: I, out of that, right? The a very sad one. Yeah. A very <laughs> sad
0: one. So, um, you know, another thing, thing that occurred to me: uh, Have you? Have you experienced the workshops where there have been love connections
1: every single one really every single one from the time we we went to the two day format yeah. now I'm not saying the love connections have lasted forever, <laughs> okay. Um, one just ended, Uh it mm-hmm. lasted eight months, I was very happy, because I actually knew, both participants, and it was right. my evil plan, to get them together, mm-hmm. okay. uh, I invited both of them, one from Philadelphia, and one from Minnesota, wow. and they were inseparable, for about eight months, and you know, then something happened, and neither one of them, wants to talk about, you know, not everything lasts forever, you hope that it would, but, we do make love connections, at our workshops, in fact, We have to be, and of course here's another one of my stories coming, very, very careful Mm -hmm. and have rules surrounding communication between the participants and especially between the trainers or the facilitators and the participants uh, for the week after the workshop. We don't want any communication whatsoever other than very basic emails. And and here's the reason why. Um, Especially when it comes to the facilitators uh, who at the moment are mostly male, Okay, we have mostly male facilitators. We have two women uh, coming in, one from Long Island and one from California, to be trainers at our next workshop. Um, And the last workshop we did, I got a letter the day after the workshop. I was completely physically and mentally drained because these things take a lot out of me. And the letter could not be printed in its entirety because it got pretty graphically sexual. And it was it was like, you know, it made me feel great, but I knew I couldn't answer in kind because I knew where the woman was emotionally. Mm-hmm. By the end of the workshop, she was a wreck, as most of our participants are. And we've actually done protection around that. We actually do meditations now to protect against the wreck factor that we've had in the past. And I answered her very nicely several days later, you know, that if she still felt the same way in a month, maybe we could talk about it. And she didn't. She thanked me, and she realized that she was lonely, and I was a leadership figure, and she was instantly in love with me, and that happens mm. a lot at our workshops, and we ask our participants to stay the hell away from each other for a week afterwards because they're raw. They're very, very raw,
0: But yeah, they don't right. always listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, human nature is... Human. Hello.
1: Oh, I met this girl <laughs> at a workshop, and the next day we were engaged, you know. <laughs>
0: i uh, you, you. know, remember the, the the immortal words of Woody Allen: "The heart wants what the heart wants," and that's why you have sometimes very strange relationships that it,
1: It's very true, you know. And I, I I wrote I wrote an ebook recently, which is actually number one in popularity uh, on Amazon.com. I'm very very proud. Relevance and popularity. is number one for internet dating tips. It's called 101 Online Dating Tips under the Dating Demystified head, and. What I say in the e-book is you're not going to listen to any of these tips, okay? You might listen to a few of them, uh, and you're going to jump online, and you're going to do it the way you want to do. When you fail, please come back and reread these tips again. And if you stick to them, to the letter, you will find that you will find love. Because people are going to do what they want to do anyway. Right. But I warn them.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad you warned them. So, uh, by the way, anybody listening, uh, first of all, you can find the link to this uh, book on the show page uh, in the description. I have a link there. And I made it easy for people, if you want to find this book on Amazon without uh, trying to remember how exactly how to type it, I made a bit.ly, which is B-I-T dot L-Y. It's a website called wwwb dot L-Y slash Spike Show. And that, actually, I'm sorry, not Spike Show. Spike Show is this, Spike Book. So bit.ly slash spike book. You can also type Spike's book. Either one will work. I, I made one uh, in case somebody puts in an extra S. So that will take you right to the link on Amazon if you'd like to get a, a copy of this ebook.
1: And it's only $8.97. What bargain.
0: But if you act in the next five minutes, it's $8.97. <laughs> this is true. Okay. It's are not taking anything off in the next five minutes because it's a uh, it's a low low price already come on,
1: this is so, true
0: absolutely i and i and of course, I'm looking forward to getting my copy
1: and if you're on Amazon Prime, you can get it for free
0: but wait a minute is it, i but you said it's an easy wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> It, wait, what do you mean you can get it for? You and I
1: mentioned get, nice Amazon right? Amazon has a thing called Amazon Prime, yeah. uh, which I think is a seventy five dollar a year membership, and you can yeah. borrow any book on Amazon for one month for free. Wow! Any book.
0: Because I actually have Amazon Prime, mainly because I forgot to cancel it. And, you know, you have like sixty days or something. After, so you know, I get. The free two-day shipping. I know there's TV shows and things like that. And I didn't video know my book. and
1: everything and streaming, and then you can get my book for free. Look at that, blah, blah, blah.
0: I did not, Johnny Carson. Used to say I did not know that. So I am uh, uh, here. I'm going to have to enjoy more Amazon Prime.
1: There you go. Well, I'm Ed McMahon, and I'm reminding you, Johnny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, friends. So, so uh, now you do a lot of uh, uh, related work. Uh, you've been running a blog for quite a long time. I want to hear about the blog a little bit.
1: Oh, my goodness. I have so many blogs. I, I started blogging. I, I wrote a book in 2003 ish uh, called Internot. That's I N T E R K N O T, the Internet Dating Storybook. And uh, I just loved Internet dating. I, I really had such a great time for about four or five years after my divorce that I just started. Writing everything down, and you know, wrote a book, and and it was lovely. It was me and five friends, and chronicling all our stuff. And um, I just I, I put up a website for the book because you know, the publisher said you got to put up a website for the book, and I just started blogging there. And The blogs were not about dating; they were about everything. They were about my friends, my ferrets, f- baseball, hockey, anything I felt like talking about. I wrote down, and it started me down a path of really loving to write just stuff, and eventually I said, wait a minute, I'm a relationship author, I'm a published relationship author, maybe I should start writing about relationships. (laughs) So I stopped writing on that, and I opened up uh, Dating Demystified on blogger.com about two years ago, two, two and a half years ago, and... As with anything, I think I wrote 24 blogs in in the first six or seven months, and maybe 10 or 15 since then. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff there. There's some of my proudest work uh, is on is on Blogger.com uh, under the dating demystified head, and. Um, I'm also a featured author, uh, an expert, quote unquote, uh, on yourtango.com. That's Y-O-U-R-T-A-N-G-O. Uh, it is, uh, it is a dating site. It is not a dating site, it's a relationship site with a 3 million readership, uh, probably 75% women, 25% men, and some of the most brilliant relationship writers and authors and psychiatrists I have ever known are on that site. Everybody should go to that site because it is a wealth of free information.
0: That's a, one of my favorite prices to pay to to pay for things by the way.
1: Free, I know yeah. it's good.
0: <clears throat> free beats a fee.
1: Yeah. And I am I am ridiculously retweeted from that site. You know, it's 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 wonderful to go on and see how many people retweet and Facebook and Google Plus me and and some other sites that I've never even heard of. <laughs> oh really? Um, like what what is it? Um stumble upon? I oh, never even heard of that last week.
0: Well, I I I'll I'll tell you what I got I've actually written uh, for a Romanian blog. Romanian? Romanian blog. I never knew you
1: were Romanian.
0: I, I only only from um only the stakes are Romanian. I I, I uh, uh, sometimes write articles about men's views around women
1: for so uh-huh. Romanian blog. Do Romanian think, men have different uh, feelings about women than American men.
0: Oh, I I don't know, but it's a women's blog. So oh. I'm, like, I'm like this American author who's I I have contributed a number of articles to them.
1: That's very cool.
0: But so such topics as leaving the seat up or down, you know, things like that, really <laughs> great stuff.
1: Well, one of my most recent blogs on your tango is entitled Make Room for Farting Possible. Ah. (laughs) I'm dead serious. It was very well read. It was retweeted by all... I think you
0: are pulling my finger.
1: I am dead serious. Make Room for Farting (laughs) Possible. It is on your tango. You can find it under me. I'm telling you.
0: That's great. Uh, You can find
1: it under my name, David Spike Ostercy. Make Ah. Room for Farting Possible. And it's all about why women will not fart in front of their men. I, I, this is and like was the, absolutely, and I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick, uh, okay. uh Please why, do. how this all happened. And this is a good one. Uh, about a year and a half ago when I was still dating my ex-girlfriend, uh, I was sitting in the living room and she was, I have a, a bathroom attached to my bedroom and I walked in and the bathroom door was closed. So I just sat on my bed about six feet away and I'm just kind of sitting there listening. 'Cause she said to me at one point, I will never fart in front of my boyfriend. I never fought in front of my husband all those years, blah blah blah, the nice Jewish girl. And I just sat there and I listened and it was very quiet and I didn't hear anything, and all of a sudden this sound and and this is exactly what the sound was.
0: <laughs> uh, okay.
1: It was kind of this strained, happy sound. It was it was wonderful. Just this And I smiled and I'm laughing hysterically. And I hear a flush, and she comes out, and I'm just laughing. And she's looking at me, going, How long were you sitting there? I went, Oh, wow. And she goes, Did you hear anything? And I look at her and I went, Oh, she chased me around the entire house, out the front door, down the steps, out the front of the building, across the side, across the street, back down, inside, threw everything she could at me. And about an hour later, I finally collapsed on the couch, and she jumped on top of me. It was the funniest thing that have ever happened to me in my entire life. Wow. I would not let her live it down. That sound is, is like, it's, it's classic in men's circles.
0: <laughs> that is great.
1: Oh I loved it. I so women do fart but they try not to do it in front of their men. So we've actually had, you know, a lot of discussions with women around this and uh it's it's a discussion in, in our workshop as well because we like to get them laughing and embarrassed. And then they open up and drop their mask.
0: Well, I mean I knew I grew up in a family, I don't think I ever heard uh any anything like that coming from my mom.
1: <laughs> ever. Me neither.
0: And, you know, my dad was certainly uh, very, very, very proud, as any man would be.
1: Yeah, men are generally very gaseous. Yeah. Yeah, but women, not so much. Now, now, I, I, I'm not really clear exactly what happens when a bunch of women get together, but I would think that they do not pass gas in front of each other either.
0: Or, or maybe they do it with their pinkies up or something.
1: I don't know. I mean, I've heard it can be so far as women will go into a stall – in a public restroom, and they will not do anything unless the stall on either side of them is empty. God forbid somebody hears them tinkling, or God forbid anything dropping in the toilet. I, I think that they just have a feeling that the minute they flush and walk out of that stall, all the women will be standing there with their arms crossed, looking at them like, "How dare you make those yeah. sounds?"
0: Well, you know that the the Japanese as a culture are the, the, men and women are, are very much it is a it's a real shaming thing there there actually are apparently uh devices that are in many japanese public toilets that like a noisemaker machine that makes sounds so that it your sound will just be lost in the shuffle so to speak really no, 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 I not making uh, this up. There's, 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 there's... clanging <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if I I don't know what that's more Chinese. Is. I got it. Uh, yeah, I was but, in I mean, Chinatown
1: a few days ago, so it's just in my head.
0: But I I remember when I first read about that, I was like, that's and people, you know, they they would spend a lot of money for a, for a device like that rather than you know being able to deal with it. So it's, that, it's not altogether that that foreign an idea, but I I guess here we're very we're we're very comfortable with it.
1: Well, the I can't believe where this
0: conversation it. has gone, Spike.
1: What well, you know do what? You? It, it always gets to potty humor. Yeah, Read the you papers. Go. It's always potty humor. It's either sex or potty humor. It's, it's, it's what, generally January, you, if you run a workshop and you have sex and potty humor, you'll be the most popular people in the world. It's all people want, really.
0: Well, we're broadcasting live from Flushing, New York.
1: Exactly. Okay. I couldn't help. Oh, that. the New York myths. <laughs> so, uh,
0: let's switch gears entirely. We're going to, uh, uh, uh change, change gears here. So, uh, one thing wait, you know I know that about
1: spatula?
0: you? No, no, no. no we, we, it's been a gas talking about it, but uh, I go uh, um, I know one thing. Another thing I know about you, Spike, is that you're a, a tremendously talented uh, visual guy. You, you have uh, made some really tr- tremendous photographs. I have seen many of them, and uh, I want to hear about that area of your life.
1: Okay, um, I picked up my first camera. Uh, a Canon AE-1 um a very 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 long time ago so I, i'm 54 i was probably 21 so about 30 32 33 years ago and um i was working i was working uh, a a job i was a a manager at a law firm uh down on Wall Street on Maiden Lane mm-hmm. and um i came home from work one day and um my house was empty And there was a note, um, go to your mother's. So I went to my mother's, and there was my three-year-old daughter. And my mother had a sheepish look on her face, and she said, um, I'm not going to mention names here, uh, your wife left your daughter with me, um, and she's gone. You are now a single father. Deal with it. Wow. Tough love from my mother. So I went to work the following day. I sat down with two of the partners at a law firm. And through a series of events, uh, a week later, I was employed at a photography company. Because um, I could not manage a job at a law firm working ridiculous hours with a three-year-old child mm-hmm. home alone. So I started taking her out on shoots with me. She absolutely loved it. And the rest was history. Uh, about a year and a half later, I opened up a portrait photography company called the Taste of Honey Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kept open for about 15 years doing portraits uh, in homes. In mm-hmm. people's homes, I could honestly say that my pictures hang on more walls in uh, in New York City and Westchester than any other photographer alive, because I've shot tens of thousands of families. Wow. And um, just kind of, when digital came in, I kind of lost something, because I just couldn't compete with the Sears prices and the, come in, get your pictures taken, leave with your photos five minutes later for about a mm-hmm. Um That was a problem. So... I picked up my first digital around 2002 and it was amazing to me that I could just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot, and, shoot and, look and look and look and look and look and not have to worry about film, not have to worry about processing and I just fell in love with the digital medium and then I found Photoshop and I just went crazy and um I have a tremendous amount of my work on a site called Red Bubble that's R E D B U B B L E redbubble.com and I'm under Snapshots 101, just the way it sounds. S n a p s h o t s 101. And I have a tremendous amount of uh, uh, landscape photography, a lot of a lot of flowers, a lot of animals, a lot of Bronx Zoo stuff. Um, but my love is working in Photoshop and doing things that I've never seen other people do, especially with shapes and colors. And I have a, a thing called implosions. Where I literally take photos and I just implode them. Every single pixel was going off in a different direction. It happened by accident about a year ago, and it's just explosive, brilliant, amazing patterns and colors. Uh, I'm talking to some representatives, some photo representatives, agencies right now to represent me uh, to be able to you know put this in commercial buildings and in galleries all across the city. And I, I just love, love, love taking pictures. You know, it, it's cool. I don't have to ever buy any photos because they're all over my house. They're my screensavers Ooh. on all my electronic devices. Mm-hmm. And I just love being out in nature. You know, if I'm not with a camera in my hand or meditating, I'm probably playing softball or hockey.
0: That's definitely a, a Bronx boy kind of kind of thing to do.
1: Um. Yeah, played a lot of sports in my day, broke a lot of bones.
0: <laughs> Did you really?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, lots, lots and lots of bones. You know, I uh, I was not real shy when it came to sports. Kind of a you know sixty to sixty mile per hour straight ahead kind of guy.
0: Now, i know, okay, you you played softball. Did you were you a stickball guy too, growing up as a kid?
1: No, you know what? We didn't play stickball in my neighborhood. We played we played a tremendous. I lived on University Avenue, which was two very wide lanes in the Bronx, Mm -hmm. massive, massive lights at night. I mean, it was like daylight on University Avenue at night. So in the 60s and 70s, you'd have lines of parents sitting in their chairs in front of all the buildings and all the kids playing in the streets till 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning on Friday and Saturday nights because the parents knew where their kids were. They were right Mm -hmm. in front of them. And we would play football or, or ultimate, which is like Frisbee football, you know, for hours and hours and hours and hours. And it was it was an amazing way to grow up, surrounded by thousands of kids. And and I, I never needed brothers or sisters because I was never alone. You know, it was just every kid should grow up in a neighborhood like I grew up in New York City surrounded by hundreds of brothers and sisters. And lots of abuse.
0: Oh, of course.
1: God <laughs> so forbid I, you drop the touchdown pass. No, you I grew to show up, up in, school uh, the next day.
0: I grew up in Bayside, Queens, but uh, most of – the 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 people who brought us the in other words the parents of my generation most of them were guess where they were from the Bronx Brooklyn really? absolutely a lot of them were I mean, they transplanted they 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 outgrew their neighborhoods they moved out to the suburbs and we were like the one step from the suburbs we were like half city half suburb and so we had a lot of those games that's why I know about stickball the, the, the difference is we didn't have uh, the sewer thing and you know, people who know about uh, stickball in New York City is you know the you measured uh, uh how far a ball would go by how many sewers it would go over you know to,
1: to get exactly
0: to get a home run it was i don't know four sewers or whatever it was, and uh, we had games like off the wall where you would throw you would play baseball by throwing a ball against the side of a building,
1: yeah, we would do the same thing we played it off the steps it was called stoop ball that
0: was that was a different stoop ball was one game but off the wall was you would throw it like at the top of a six-story building and see how far you can get it backwards. So right. you might go way back to get a home run, you know. And we had all the, we had all those games that you would make. All the kids made up games, except it was the same games from generation to generation. Of you know, red light, green light, and hide go seek, and oh
1: yeah, buck buck, Johnny on the pony, Ring a We we played yeah. all that, but we we did we we had an interesting neighborhood. You know, I always hang out with the tough kids. Even though I was a nice Jewish kid, I went to Hebrew school, I got bar Mitzvah. And I never hung out with the Jewish kids. I always hang out with the Irish and the Italian kids. And a, a typical game for us would be we'd go up to the roof of one building and a bunch of our other friends would go up to the roof of the other building and we would line the ridge of the roof with gasoline, put um, bottle rockets all across the roof, light <laughs> a match, and we'd all stand there. And oh. I remember one particular time when, you know, two grosses of bottle rockets, that's 288 bottle rockets shooting back and forth between the buildings and we're wearing our football helmets and our hockey masks and everything. <laughs> a lot that's... of them went awry, and yeah. we set afire probably five or six draperies in each of the buildings. Oh, no. <laughs> parents in the neighborhood hated us. It was terrible. <laughs> Fortunately, never the draperies of the parents of the kids that we were hanging out with, which was a good thing. Uh, somehow we missed
0: those. You're giving me a flashback now to uh, uh, shooting a bottle rocket up, up a slide, you know, a playground slide. But they oh, call them in yeah. New York, and nowhere else but I think in New York they call them a sliding pond. I don't know why. Um, and we'd shoot them off there. But there was one point where I was—I remember there were a bunch of us were were learning how to use make model rockets, the Estes rockets. You remember those? Right. And you'd build these beautiful models, and you could shoot them up like a mile in the air and uh it we managed to have these extra engines
1: oh no <laughs> and we
0: yeah we shot them off the slide uh it was it was it was uh i it was not good it was not no, good we right? we
1: used to do a lot of insane things with incendiary devices we, we'd empty out m80s and put them under large piles of poop and delay fuses and walk away and wait for people to walk by it was not good it was just not good we were terrible
0: Thankfully, there's uh, you know a statute of limitations against childhood stupidity
1: Yeah I think 60s, you have we against, might be in big trouble right now. Okay, so but, uh, from the
0: people who brought you, hey, you get off my roof. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the guy from 6E coming down. And he's listening to the show right now, and he has a word to speak with you.
1: Yeah, I remember those curtains. <laughs> <laughs> right,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, what's next for dating demystified?
1: Um, we had we had planned uh, actually June 30th and July 1st is our next scheduled uh, workshop. Um, there may be some challenges with some of the trainers coming in for that date, mm-hmm. so there's a possibility we're pushing it back into September. Uh, there were also some challenges that I had with my family that have taken me away from leading it for a little while. Um, so there's a possibility it might be pushed. We're having a production meeting later this week. Okay. Um, so it'll either be the end of June or the beginning of September is the next workshop. You'll you'll just have to check our website to find out which it is. Well, um, that's the immediate
0: answer to that question. What's a long ter- longer term answer? Where do you okay. see this going?
1: Got it. Um, if I could dream freely, the longer term answer is um, we're doing we're doing four workshops in New York a year. And we're doing two workshops in probably 20 cities across the U.S. and Canada and Great Britain also every year. Uh, we want this to be in most of the major cities of the world uh, because men and women need to understand that they they want each other, they love each other, they need each other. They're better when they're together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, old saying, you know, look at every great man, there's a great woman behind him. The opposite is also the truth. Look at a great woman, and she generally is supported by a great man behind her. And I'm not talking okay, about money. Right. I'm talking about somebody that cares enough about you to be there for you when the times are rough. Because, you know, the old saying, when love, when, when, when poverty comes in the door, love goes out the window. Right. Um, it shouldn't be that way. When you're with somebody, it's for better or for worse. And men and women need to understand that. You know, that really, really, really is the truth. And when we work together as a team, we're 10,000 times stronger together as a couple. So that's that's part of what we want to teach, and not just in New York. We want it to be a global phenomenon, you know, kind of like uh, Peaks Potentials, T. Harvac, or Landmark mm-hmm. Education, Tony mm-hmm. Robbins, very similar to that.
0: You, you, you're making me think of a song, believe it or not, um, about – the kind of love that might be that doesn't involve, you know, you're saying like it's not about money. Uh, there was an old, old song called "She's Funny That Way." I don't know if you know that song. I'm a few bars. Da 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 da. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to remember the lyric. She's, I'm not much to look at, nothing to see. Just glad I'm living and happy to be. I got a woman crazy for me. She's funny that way. So the, if you look at the lyrics of that song, this is a uh, a, a guy who, uh, I've also heard it as, it. Uh, uh, he's funny that way. Ella uh, Gerald also sings it. So here's a song about a a, a true love of so that somebody who's really going to stick with me. You know, she, she never hollers. She'd live in a tent. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, 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 well, all I'm thinking of is, is you, you, have, you have such a lovely singing voice. I'm touching myself over here. Oh,
0: cut it out. Um, but it just, it just that that kind of really true, beautiful feeling where it's really about being together no matter what.
1: Yeah, and men and women can have that. It's just a matter of saying hello, you know. And it, it's it's just terrifying for most men and most women to walk over to someone of the opposite sex and say, "Hey, I'm I'm Spike, and I was just." Looking at you, and I, I think you're really cute. And I, I think I'd like to get to know you. Can, can we have a cup of coffee? Ninety percent of people can't do that. You know, and and when you talk to women, when they go out in public, and women go out in public, men shop online. It's mm-hmm. the way it is. The men shop for women online, and the women are out in the bars and the clubs. And if the men knew this, they'd be out there too. But they don't know it. Um, and they say that when I go out, all I meet is jerks, assholes, and, and drunks because those are the guys who have the guts to walk up and say something to them. The nice guy that they want to meet is sitting in a corner, staring at them in the dark, but they don't see them. And the guy will never come approach. So we teach men and women to approach. Yes. And we teach women to approach because that shy guy may never come over to you and he might be the man of your dreams. So mm. you got to go say hello to him.
0: I like it. Wow. So, uh, Here's your opportunity, David Spike ostrasey to tell people uh, where they can find you. What, uh, what's next? What would you like to let people know?
1: Hmm, where they can find me. Um I'm, I'm often in the dumpsters on uh, 38th and Madison. Um no. Um <clears throat> they can find me uh in multiple multiple places, many of which you've already uh so lovingly discussed on on this uh call. Um, One place is uh, our website Dating Demystified uh, Not spelled as you would think Think of misty eye Like if you're crying So it's um, Demystifieddating.com D-E-M-I-S-T-Y F-I-E-D Demystifieddating.com You can go in And you can ask for our free newsletter By giving your name and email address um, and if you give your name and email address, you actually get a um, hundred and one online dating tips mini ebook for free. That is the actual tips before they're expanded into the larger hundred and twenty page ebook, which is for sale on Amazon.com. Um, you could also find me on Your Tango, which is Y O U R T A N G O. I'm a featured author there, um, and just type in David Ostasee, and she'll be able to find me or or male, male, um, you know, dating coaches. I'm I'm in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have articles all over that. Um, my my blog, uh, which is which is linked uh, to the Yo site, or maybe it's not. I'm really not sure. I have so many of them. Uh, I am on Blogger.com. I'm Chemistry 101 with a K. Okay, K E M I S T O Y 101 or uh, Dating Demystified. Dating Demystified blog uh, on Blogger.com. Um, and of course, if you go to amazon.com, you don't even have to type in my name or you can, uh, but you could just type in online dating tips or internet dating tips. I'm on page one in both of those niches. If you just type in online dating, you'll probably find me, but I might not be on page one. It goes between page one and page two. Okay. The name of the book is 101 Online Dating Tips. Dating Demystified, 101 Online Dating Tips. And it's funny, it's quirky, it's silly, it's a little bit in your face, but the tips work. They really, really do. So some of the, those are just some of the ways you could find me uh, as a dating coach. And if you want to purchase from really, and I'm saying this from the heart, absolutely breathtakingly beautiful photography, go to redbubble.com, type in snapshots101, you'll find me, and I think you will really, really love the work, and and my snarky comments under many other photos as well.
0: Yes, we like your snarky comments.
1: I know, people say that.
0: And uh, again, anybody listening to the show, you can always find the links, the links, Right on the show page for this particular show, you can always uh, contact me, Coach Andrew, and I will be happy to connect you with Spike. Do you have any uh, a parting words for uh, for our studio uh, worldwide audience? We're all over the, there's no studio, of course. Do you have any parting words for our universal audience, and many of them, by the way, are not listening now; they're listening in the future. So, uh, we're going to wave hello from 2012.
1: All right, so I'll try to speak from the future into the past. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Love one another. Really, really, really lead with love. You know, um, I actually, I'm sitting here looking at my wall, and I want to read a quote uh, from a gentleman named Aaron Huey. He leads Fire Mountain programs out in, uh, in Montana, not Montana, in, in, uh, Colorado. I think it's Colorado. And, um, he was uh, a trainer for, uh, Record Peaks Potentials for many years. And I have this quote on my wall, and it says, It's easy to open your heart when you feel loved, lovable, and loving. Illumination is when you don't feel loved, lovable, and loving, yet you open your heart anyway. Choose love in this moment. Choose love regardless of what you feel. Choose to open your eyes, hands, mind, and heart, and see, feel, touch, taste, know the love that exists despite your mood. It's here, and our work is to be here with it. And I really love that quote because it's really about who I am. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I forget on a regular basis, generally uh, with a rude cab driver or a barista, But you even have to love them because you don't know. What somebody is going through in their life, you know, you may have just got a raise, you're dating a great person, and maybe the person that is pissing you off at some office where you're waiting for something just is going through a horrible divorce or or a custody battle, or maybe they're in jeopardy of losing their job, or maybe they just lost their job. You don't know what's going on in someone's life. be kind to people. If you see somebody and you like what they're wearing and you like their tie, say, hey, I love that outfit. I love what you're wearing. You don't know if you've just saved somebody's life by saying something nice to somebody. We've all heard stories like that. And sure. and it's the way I want to live my life and the way I would hope that everybody else lives their lives just by loving one another and not being so bitchy all the damn time.
0: Mm-hmm. Random acts of kindness. It works for me. Absolutely. Well, David, Spike Oshnessy, I want to thank you very much for being on Coach's Corner. It's been a lot of fun to be with you, uh, my old buddy. And uh, I think anybody listening has learned a good chunk of information, and I'm looking forward to uh, reading your book that I will be uh, downloading.
1: Oh, you know, uh, I really, uh, I'm so glad I could come here. You know, I missed Shia tonight. My Mahaba, he said, it's okay. You're going to be the Andy, you got the phone. Do what you got to do. Talk about the women and everything.
0: Oh, that's very nice. As my grandmother would have said, I'm going Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. The Kepler is the face. I know it's very good.
0: Very good. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can find me, uh, Coach Andrew, on myfuturecoach.com dot com and on Twitter at Coach Andrew. And we will be back in two weeks, going to be off for the Memorial Day weekend. So uh everybody have a great weekend. David, have a great weekend. Thank a great you, week. Ref, Andrew. And we will see you back in two weeks. Fabulous. Good night. Good night everybody.